Dee Daniels. I'm the host of this podcast, and I've been a radio host for over 20 years and a student of relationships as long as I can remember. I've also found myself on the outside of many groups, many times, spiritually, politically, family groups, friend groups, sexual identity groups, and I'm proud to start a new podcast that opens that conversation from the other side. For those of us who have ever felt like an outcast or an outsider, this is for you. The Outcast Podcast is supported by Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Most folks who work here love living here, and that makes a difference. At Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com, they're proud to work the hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com makes it easy to post a job and it's local, so you won't get spammed by faraway job seekers. And if you're looking for a good local job, search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Local jobs that work. Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast that is giving a voice to anyone who has ever felt like an outsider or an outcast. I want this to be a safe haven, a place of sharing and learning and healing. This is such an interesting time of year. The holidays are over. The money has been spent. The kids have gone back to college. The in-laws, the cousins, the friends, they're all back in their own houses and their own schedules. And many people are feeling alone, fighting a shadow that seems to be chasing them more aggressively at this time of year. Maybe it's time for transformation in your life. Maybe you are fighting change. Maybe that's causing a downward spiral of anxiety or depression. Maybe you're ready to make a big change in your life and everyone around you is fighting against you. You aren't getting the right support that you need. Have you ever decided that it was time to make a big change and you realize the people around you are only making it more difficult? They don't see that you're on a new path or trying to start a new journey. You're trying your best. And at times like this, it can make you feel like you're climbing uphill without anyone around to help. Let's shine a light on how we can help ourselves. My guest is Dr. Deborah Meal. She is an interdenominational pastoral counselor, the founder of the Meal Foundation, and she also has a new book that could be a great tool to have when you're feeling alone in this struggle. Dr. Meal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So first, I know, Deborah, it's it's kind of cliche, but I feel like it's important to say in these times, you're not alone. This is a great time to to know that and say that to yourself and to feel and accept the love coming to you. And don't you also think it's a great time to focus on self-love? Absolutely. I think lots of times people get stuck in New Year's resolutions. First New Year's resolution that we should have should be some self-love. And it should look kind, um, and it should look like an objective that we can move into. I think so, too. And I think that a lot of times that can be difficult to, uh, to hear yourself say, even when you're, when you're feeling down and you're feeling lonely, is, you know, I want to love myself. Because maybe the first thing you're saying to yourself is, I don't love myself right now. Usually, if you're not loving yourself, it usually has to do with your behaviors. Um, something that's gone gone wrong uh, that you or that something that you didn't anticipate. So one of the things in regards to loving yourself is to be able to look at what didn't work for you and then to be able to change course, change direction. And lots of times then we start to feel really good about ourselves then when we're able to make those course corrections and be able to make those course changes in our lives. The book is called The Joyful Transformation, 22 Keys to Reclaiming Your Authenticity. And tell us how you got to this book. This is a very interesting book and I'm enjoying reading it and I I feel like it's got so many great tools inside of it. And what brought you to this book? Well, 
18 months um, after marrying the man of my dreams, and by the way, we're still married, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And our life was in absolute chaos. And I changed occupations, um, changed directions in my life, absolutely did that course correction. It was, at the time, um, extraordinarily difficult and very, very painful. Mm. And I learned a set of skills, a set of tools that I use today um, in my life and with my clients. Those tools came from dialectical behavioral therapy, which has a lot to do with, again, being able to accept, you know, have radical acceptance and have willingness and to be mindful all day of your thought process. And so in regards to, you know, making that course correction and or changing your life, the more resistant that you are, the more difficult it becomes and the more painful it becomes. So if you choose to step out of being in pain constantly, um, which, you know, that's a choice that lots of us would like to be able to understand how to get out of, then what happens is, is that when your resistance is lower, change starts to happen more naturally and it happens easily. It's then easier to accept and to tolerate the, the situations that come into our lives. Deborah Meal, the guest on the podcast today, and we're talking about times where you are going through a transformation in your life and you feel like this is uh, a very difficult time. You you brought up uh, maybe leaning into not resisting, and, and isn't it funny how that's our first reaction to change is to want to turn away because we we feel like it's going to be painful. Right, and the interesting thing about that is that most of the time we've learned those reactions from childhood and we didn't have the tools necessary to actually learn to relax into it, to not just, sometimes you need to lean into it without a doubt, but if you can relax and then not move into fear uh, in regards to the change that's happening, it usually the transformation happens much quicker and again, you can release the amount of suffering. Um, I say that, you know, pain, um, everyone has pain in their lives. There's no doubt about that. But when you add your opinion to that pain, that's when you experience suffering. Mm. And suffering is an option. Pain is inevitable. We live in this particular reality at this particular time. And so there are going to be painful events. But again, my perception of those events is determines about how much suffering I'm going to have about those events. You know, some of the things that that we, I think, feel around this time of the year, I think a lot of us, you know, get bogged down with just the, the normal things happening, like the stress of the holidays and, and how chaotic that can be. And, and then if you throw kids into the mix and, and then now we're into the new year and we should be doing something new, talk a little bit about expectations because I know that's something that you, that you mentioned in the book as well uh, around our own expectations expectations and maybe releasing some of those expectations. Sure. Most of the time, our expectations um, revolve around brain fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. And if I can be mindful enough to recognize when I'm in fear, obligation, and guilt, then I have the option of changing it. If I'm not mindful enough of my own thinking and about, again, my propensity to step into fear, obligation, and guilt then I'm going to be constantly um, sabotaged. So, for example, 
Um, one of the things that I, I notice around the Christmas holidays, of course, is that um, most of our children um, or grandchildren want every toy known to mankind. They've <laughs> yes. seen it. They want it. If we're not financially able to do that or we don't think it's necessarily right for them to have every single toy underneath the Christmas tree, then again, we step outside of our financial comfort. And then come January or February when those bills start piling up, we realized yet again, most of the time, that we have stepped out of, uh, again, what's reasonable for us to do. And then we feel bogged down. The job that we possibly wanted to leave come January or February, we can't leave because we have credit card bills and debt that we're trying to climb out from under. And it becomes this vicious circle. So one of the things about being mindful is being able to step out of the emotional connection to being able to set up appropriate boundaries or appropriate things in our lives so, again, we start to feel more abundant. So true. That's a very good point. And I feel like, you know, when we get in this downward spiral and you're in the midst of, uh, you know, trying to get out of that, that can be so difficult after after the holidays. And you're right. I mean, you you all of a sudden are trapped by maybe uh, some financial struggle. You're trapped, you're stuck and you you can't get out for a little while. What what are some of the ways we can change uh, our daily habits to now look in a more positive direction and say, okay, maybe I need to change some things? I think first, it's a really good idea to formulate a plan. A lot of times, if you, um, if you get into a situation where you get a counselor or you get a life coach, the very first thing that should happen is that you get a plan of course correction. And that plan has to be, again, something that you can live with. So if it's a financial situation and, for example, and you want to be able to get out of that hole that you're in, you need to talk to somebody um, that can consolidate your debt or do whatever it is that you need to do with the goal that, you know, you need to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. So the goal would then become, okay, well, I want to get out of this financial debt because my goal is is to get out of the job that I'm in and I'm going to downsize or I'm going to do something a little different. The idea here is that once people can set a realistic goal that they can live with, and that's the bottom line, they have to be able to live with it. It can't be so radical um, because if you say, well, I'm going to set the goal that I'm going to be out of this debt, but I'm not going to be able to buy socks or underwear and I can't go to Starbucks for six months, people then fail at that goal because the expectation is too high. It has to be something that, again, allows you some movement um, within that goal to be able to meet those, um, to be able to meet your long-term goal. So as you're moving through that, then you realize through mindfulness and being aware of your emotion how that you can start to make those powerful changes because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Deborah Meal, she is the founder of the Meal Foundation and also has a new book that could be a really great tool for you called Joyful Transformation, 22 Keys to Reclaiming Your Authenticity. I want to go back a little bit to talking about uh, uh, folks that might be dealing with uh, the struggle this time of year and and maybe different at different points throughout the year, not just 
depressed this time of year. Maybe they are suffering from uh, things like depression and, and falling into a downward spiral. It can all happen to all of us at different points in our in our lives. One of the things that I wanted to uh, bring up that you address in the book, and I'm so glad that you did, Deborah, because I come from a very religious family background, and I've heard this phrase a lot in my life, and I think it's a very irritating, a very see-through, go-to phrase sometimes, where people say about your struggle, just pray about it. Just leave it to God. Just let it go. Things like this, you can't just pray away. Right. You need to um, be able to have a holistic plan. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to take care of your mind. You need to be able to take care of your body. And then you need to be able to take care of your spirit. So a lot of, there's a lot of information, I think, out there in regards to mind and body. They leave off the spiritual component because everybody's terrified of that because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to offend anyone. Um, The idea about people that can pray about it, again, it's about radical acceptance, and that's what they're trying to tell you, is that they're trying to tell you that it will work out if you're pointed in the right direction, but sometimes we need assistance in being pointed in the right direction. So again, when you were talking about the holidays, you know, we've um, most of the time eaten way too much sugar um, over the course of, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving. I mean, it's kind of a two for white. It's just one on top of the other, you know, Thanksgiving, and then, you know, we eat all that pie and do all that stuff. And then six weeks later, we're into Christmas with the fudge and the candy and all that. So this body temple that we have um, then is struggling. Everything that we put into our body affects, again, how we think. It affects our brain. So as we're starting to detox from the holidays, whether you're doing a detox plan or you're just eliminating, you know, certain foods that you know aren't good for you, again, those things then contribute and help to actually you being able to make the right choices. Brain chemistry is all about being able to make those right choices. And then you can add that spiritual component where you can start praying about it and it starts to feel, uh, again, better. Um, Most people feel better believing that there is a higher power that's there to assist them. The research, I think, is really clear about that. You on this planet also have to be doing some of the right things, so exercising, eating right, making sure that your vitamin D levels are correct. Sixty percent of everybody within the United States has a low vitamin D level. So we need to be able to, to be doing all of those things to be able to make these life changes. You know, you mentioned uh, the higher power, and, and, and you're right. There's so there's so much um, evidence that suggests so many different things in that regard. And, and for whatever it means to each individual person, whether it's the universe or God or whatever it is that, that, you, that you call it, unless we get all of these things into a component, it's all of these things into a balance, into a line, we do have to address each one, the mind, the body, the spirit. And, you know, you talking about coming out of the holidays, good gracious, you know, I, I tried to be very mindful about what I was eating during the holidays, but still I would notice, you know, I went on a little cookie binge for a day or two and, and I struggled emotionally, physically for two days, three days after. This is the kind of stuff that like blocks, you know, what's going on in the emotions and, and maybe the messages that you might be getting and that you could be getting from the universe or your higher power. It all is related, yet we have to address each component. Well, and it's interesting because when we do those cookie benches, and we're, we're, most of us are guilty of that in some regard, True. is that the first thing that we do when we pick up the cookie is we say, well, this is just one cookie. 
um, so it's not a big deal. It probably isn't a big deal, but you know what? It tasted really, really good. Right. And I say to myself with the second cookie, I really deserve this cookie. I've been a good girl all year long. <laughs> and so we start this cycle then, and then we go to the third cookie, and we go, well, we really shouldn't do this, but all of those are emotional responses to, again, a very logical mind. And when we put our emotions with our logic together, our thinking and our behavior actually can get on the same track. We become emotionally swayed because that thing about, especially with that second cookie about how I've been such a good girl, um, that is an emotional response as we're, you know, taking that bite of that cookie, tastes good and it feels good. And so that's how we get sucked into doing that. And so it becomes hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know, usually something has triggered us. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't have even brought the cookies into the house. So true. So very true. Dr. Uh, Deborah Meal is my guest today, and uh, we're talking about her book as well as some uh, great tools that you can have this time of year, uh, maybe for a restart, maybe for a transformation, maybe for some new things in your life, how to deal with some of the down times that you uh, might be having and, and how to get out of that spiral. The book is, is a very interesting book. I would, I would encourage you to pick it up. It has so much great information in it. Joyful Transformation, 22 Keys to Reclaiming Your Authenticity. I want to talk about one other thing that you uh, that you bring up in the book that I, I like and, and I think would uh, shed some light on some of what we're talking about. It's the autopilot versus being aware of what's going on in our minds. This, this can be something that we can all fall into and have no idea we have fallen into autopilot or that we're on autopilot for an extended period of time, kind of just drifting through and, uh, and not really paying attention. And, and I, and I know one of those words we use is, is mindful, but the opposite of that is autopilot. Maybe this is uh, something that you've been stuck in before this automatic response this automatic routine, automatic traditions, and maybe that's just not working for us anymore. How can, we change that get out of the autopilot and start to be more present with what our our minds are actually doing well there's some skills um, in regards to mindfulness I say that you can be you know you can meditate and be mindful but you can actually be mindful throughout your entire day and mindfulness is just shifting your awareness basically it's being aware of your own thinking we believe at this time that we're probably the only mammals um, that actually can watch their own thinking. We have this prefrontal cortex, that's the gray matter behind your eyebrows, that has insight, hindsight, and foresight. And when we do small things, like, for example, just washing dishes, and we decide when we step up to the sink that we're just going to wash dishes, we're not going to think about paying the bills, we're not going to think about the kids, we're not going to think about the next thing, we're just going to wash dishes, and we're going to fully participate in that experience, then what happens is is that we become more mindfully aware of, again, our own thinking. And as something comes across our minds um, that doesn't have to do with washing the dishes, I just notice it. I don't, I don't label it as right or wrong or that I'm bad or good or any of that. I just notice it. And then I purposely redirect my mind back to washing dishes. And that's the practice of getting out of autopilot, as you call. And it is one of those things that is 
our minds are not supposed to be like an unruly two-year-old in the supermarket. <laughs> We're supposed to actually have control over our own thinking and our own minds. And the minute that we give that control up, it just does go on autopilot, and it just goes willy-nilly wherever it is that, you know, it wants to drift us to. Being aware of that gives us control in our lives and control in our behaviors. But autopilot never does. So true. And gosh, what a great picture uh, that you painted there with the two-year-old in the grocery store. And, I mean, you know, we see the gum at the bottom of the row and we see, you know, the shiny right. objects and it just all comes in and it's like madness. It just, it's just this, if you don't sort through it, it's just madness. And for a while, it, you can have the exercise and you'll be turning your mind hundreds of times during the day. That's normal until you start to realize where autopilot is and where autopilot starts to happen. And with autopilot then comes those emotions, again, fear, obligation, and guilt. And then you're able to then make a decision once you become aware of autopilot. You're then maybe able to make a decision about how it is you feel about something, and then you can act opposite. So, for example, that, you know, the story that we said about, you know, buying your kids overextended for Christmas. Right. You can then say, okay, well, this makes me feel really bad in February, so I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much my child yells and screams about the latest and greatest toy. I'm not going to do this because this isn't the direction that my life needs to go into. And that's another point to, uh, you know, maybe you're in this autopilot in your traditions, you know, look, I've every year I've overspent every year. I've, I've given them everything they've asked for. And every year I'm hurting for it, you know, because of it afterwards, I'm feeling, you know, uh, completely drained financially. I'm feeling completely drained emotionally. I've set no boundaries. You know, maybe, maybe you're going through all of that changing from those automatic traditions that you've been doing maybe for five, six, seven, ten years, that that's not going to necessarily happen overnight, I would think. It's not. Usually what happens is there the, there's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. So it's kind of like you said about traditions. Family has a certain amount of expectation. You know, like let's say I, you know, go to my mother-in-law's, you know, every New Year's Eve or something like that, and I finally say, look, I'm not going to go there this year. What happens is, is that as you make changes, people around you become very uncomfortable and they begin applying pressure. And you need to make a decision in your life if you can live with that pressure or you need to get the skills to be able to live with that pressure, to be able to make new choices in your life. Being able to have those skills and be able to say to people, I'm making changes. I understand this may be really uncomfortable for you, but I'm going to make these changes anyway can be somewhat helpful. People love, it seems to be, to get their feelings hurt. Uh, And so lots of times when we make changes, people around us become really resistant to that. And take it personally, um, you know, as a a slight to them. I mean, especially when families evolve. Look, I get that. I I understand when you're starting to draw boundaries around yourself to to try to make things in 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 a healthier, happier way for you, it, it they get really loud sometimes and or really silent i mean they react they and sometimes uh, i guess depending on the the family dynamic they can react very strongly sure and it can be very uncomfortable because lots of times we get locked into the obligation so let's say that i'm a man and i've decided you know i'm i'm making 200,000 dollars a year and i'm not happy in my job anymore 
and I look at my significant other and I say, you know what, um, in six months we're going to be out of this house and we're going to downsize and I'm going to buy a used vehicle and I'm not going to have this car payment anymore and I'm going to get out of this house. I can guarantee you that the spouse to that person usually reacts poorly to that yeah. because they have a certain lifestyle and a certain, again, thing that they have gotten used to. That's where we see a lot of conflict in most, again, families and behaviors. It's when one person makes this shift because, again, um, they're no longer satisfied and happy with what it is and the direction that their life is. And when that happens, then the whole family dynamic changes. And, again, there are skills and ways to be able to tolerate that in a way that um, is successful for everyone. And once you realize something is not working for you anymore, you know, that's, I I guess for me, that's especially, that's the red flag. That's the, okay, I need to do something different. I need to change something in my traditions or or my routine or the way I, I see this hasn't, this isn't working for me anymore. It may have worked for me, you know, 10 years ago, but it's not, it's not working for me anymore. I think that's a good indication when, when you feel that in your gut, right? I mean, it's a really good indication. It is. And I'll also tell you that, you know, that's why, you know, the antidepressant um, industry is a billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Is because, again, instead of making those changes and being able to move with the life flow of things when people get stuck, they go to their doctor, and uh, lots of times medication is prescribed when, in fact, what needs to be prescribed is a new lifestyle and a new way of living. If you're in the wrong job and or you're married to the wrong person, there's no amount of antidepressant that's going to help that. Absolutely. I could not uh, have said that better. That's fantastic. Your background, Deborah, includes a DBT skills trainer and a brain health coach. Those sound so very interesting to me. What, what are those things? Well, when I um, switched occupations and became a, an ordained minister, I uh, then began to develop some other skill sets. And one of those is that the therapy that probably saved my husband's life was dialectical behavioral therapy. And I took that training. And then with that, I also became an Amen, as in Dr. Daniel Amen from Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Right. I also became an Amen Brain Healthy Coach because brain health um, is incredibly important. You know, I was brought up that everybody had a choice. You could just choose the correct behavior. And what we know scientifically is that that's not true. The neurons that fire in your brain give you the ability to make right choices. And so you can't pray a brain injury away, um, and you cannot pray the correct neurons uh, into existence most of the time either. Now, there is some theory with the law of attraction and that type of thing that, again, with correct thinking on a daily basis that you can develop new neurons. We know that that's possible. So when you address that skill set of thinking correctly and making the right choice with taking control of your mind, along with sometimes medication is necessary to get over the hump and life changes, you've made that course correction. And again, you start to live this amazing, fulfilling and abundant life. So very interesting. Deborah Meal from the Meal Foundation. And the book is Joyful Transformation, 22 Keys to Reclaiming Your Authenticity. The title of 
of the book just says it all, and it uh, it makes me feel positive just reading it. The website, mealfoundation.org. Is that a good website people can check you out there? Absolutely. Deborah, thanks so much for being a guest. We appreciate everything you shared today. Thanks so much for having me. So what's the big question? Are you making changes in your life? Do you see yourself blossoming into something else? changing your path know that you are not alone if you would like to share your thoughts your questions your stories and if you'd like to share on the mic with me for one of our upcoming episodes i'd love to hear from you email me at dee at wbqb.com i want to end this episode with two of my favorite quotes from a life transformation master tony robbins the only thing keeping you from getting what you want is the story you keep telling yourself about why you can't have it. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Here's to your transformation this year. This is The Outcast. I stand with you. I stand for you. Thanks for listening. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.